Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. It's a phrase that's increasingly used in family courts is parental alienation. The idea that in a divorce, one parent has turned the children against another. However, it is controversial. Some claim the effects of this alienation is devastating. Others claim it's based on pseudoscience. Kitty Holland is social affairs correspondent of the Irish Times and has been looking into this. Good afternoon, Kitty. Good afternoon, Sean. Is that definition I gave, is, is that correct or, or is it more nuanced than that? Well, I mean, oh gosh, you do like the controversial subjects, don't you, Sean? Because <laughs> um, this is a really, really polarising issue. Um, it, I mean, it's in terms of the reaction I've got to it, it actually almost reminds me of the abortion debate. It's that impassioned on either side. So um, it's it's basically it's where one parent intentionally turns their child against another to to the other parent to destroy the relationship between them and it's to it's people who believe in this as a genuine syndrome they say it's um really really damaging to the child that it messes up their sense of reality you know lowers their self-esteem and predisposes them to all sorts of issues later in life um, the the problem is for people who are sceptical, um, among people who are sceptical of it, is they say that this is being used increasingly as a way to silence, particularly mothers, um, in post-domestic violence or in the middle, I suppose, of still domestic violence where they're raising concerns about the safety of their children in the family courts. They then get accused of parental alienation by the other side and their concerns are sort of dismissed then and kind of come under the umbrella of, oh, this is all part of the parental alienation. Right. So it's, it's quite, um, obviously, you know, the, the stakes are very high when it, when this ends up in a family court because one child is potent, one parent is potentially going to lose custody of the children or lose access to them. Yeah. Now, uh, international health bodies, do they recognise parental alienation as a, as a legitimate syndrome? No, they don't. And it's one of the things that, um, you know, um, proponents of it as as a syndrome will, will have said, said over the years that it's recognised by the World Health Organisation and the American Psychiatric Association. Um, and then other people say, no, they don't recognise it. So to satisfy myself, I got in contact with both of the organisations and they both were quite emphatic in the response to me that they do not recognise this as a mental disorder or as any kind of a disorder that can be diagnosed or treated. They say it's it's a concept that's use, in use in legal um, contexts. Mm. So it, it, one could argue, I suppose on one side of the argument, that this is... Children might be uh, might be angry at one parent in in, in a separation or divorce situation, but they're pathologizing those feelings rather than uh, recognizing. Yes, I mean, I mean that would be my take on it. Having looked at this now for about a year, my take on it is that absolutely children um, can be weaponized in very Mm. um, toxic, um, traumatic relationship breakdowns. That you know, one parent can talk ill of the other parent, can say horrible things about the other parent that a child will obviously you know absorb and take on and possibly believe or or not believe, um, and so that awful things can happen, you know, and said to children and in in the middle of all those disputes. But to diagnose it as a syndrome like schizophrenia or something like that, I I to be honest, I don't buy it. Um, so, and I've had a lot of emails from parents in the last week or so, 
um, really heartbreaking ones about having lost contact with the, with their children, having been excluded from their children's lives. And while, you know, that's appalling and really sad, and it's awful that the parents and children are going through that, I don't buy it as a syndrome. Um, I, th- I think there's something very complex going on in in relationship breakdowns. There always is complex mm-hmm. things going on, and the children get caught up in that. But to call it a syndrome which, you know, must be treated. And the way to treat that is to forcibly remove children from the par- one parent and hand it into the custody of another when the par- children are saying they don't want to be there, I find very questionable. Yeah. And people are worried about it. And, and say, saying it, is, is it seen as a syndrome in the parent or in the child? Um, in both. Um, ah. But but yeah, so the child needs to be treated. Um, and by do, to do that, you have to force them into, I suppose, spending time with the parents they're allegedly rejecting or are rejecting, um, even when they say they don't want to go there. Um, and then the parent is um, practicing, it's called parental alienation, and that they may require treatment now in most of these circumstances before the courts. They wouldn't be getting any treatment, so to speak, but um, but the children get the treatment, so to speak, of being mm. removed and put into the custody of the parents they're saying they don't want to go to. Yeah. And when you talk to people who are proponents of this, who sort of um, psychologists, um, who people, you know, set themselves up and say that they can treat this, they say that the children's voice in that context is irrational. And um, oh. and and needs to be, um, I suppose, you know, confronted and and changed. And it's, I just, what I find very worrying, I suppose, and people do find worrying, is that you know, if a child was had a irrational phobia of spiders, you wouldn't put them in a room with spiders for six weeks. Mm. You would, you know, talk through the complexities of why are they feeling like this and gradually work it round. And um, so, I mean, the. Con- yeah, this gives rise to very impassioned views about the welfare of children. Yeah, nonetheless, uh, um, it's not outside the bounds of possibility at all, as you've already said, that in, in family law disputes, one parent can be bad-mouthing the other parent to the yeah. kids, and the kids might be listening to that. Is there some way for the family courts to make an assessment of this? So that uh, brings us on to another issue, the family courts, which is, um, you know, all the, all the cases are held in camera and... Um, we don't really know what's going on in the family courts. And they're, um, so everything that we, you know, when you hear stories and awful things happening down there in the courts, you, you don't know and you have to really review the paperwork you're given to sort of try and make sense of the stories you're being told. But um, one of the crucial things that people are very concerned about in the family courts is the expert reports. And when there is a question over what is the best interest of the child, the judge can order a best interest of the child report under various um, sections of various pieces of legislation. They're generally called Section 47 reports or Section 32 reports. And while there's some um, kind of uh, guidelines on who should carry out the Section 32 reports, there appear to be very few on the Section 47 reports. And the people who are um, put forward to do these Section 47 reports um, are not regulated and they're mm. not regulated by KORU, which is the health professional regulatory body. They don't yet regulate um, psychologists, psychotherapists, family therapists, social care workers. And these are the, the professionals that are generally put forward. Now, of course, the vast majority of people in these professions are absolutely dedicated, doing a fantastic job, highly qualified. But the fact remains, 
I could tomorrow set myself up as a psychologist and rock down to the family court and say, I'll do those Section 47 reports for you. And they're, they're expensive. You know, they're, the, the parents have to pay between two and €9,000 for these reports. They don't get to see them, generally. Okay. They, don't, they, they don't get to appeal them. And they are in the hands of people who are not regulated writing these reports. So it's high, very worrying. Um, I, you know, for anyone to go into that at a really vulnerable time of their lives and have to a reporter who's going to make an expert report to the courts, which generally the courts are going to go with because they're so overstretched, they don't have time to look at the cases in detail. So when an expert comes in and makes a recommendation, they'll say, we'll go with that. Um, so it's, it's it's again very worrying for people that um, and Koru, who's the regulatory body, say they're aware of how bad this is. That the, these um, psychologists and psychotherapists are designated for regulation, but they it's some years off yet. So, I assume I assume was among that uh, that co- the, the the psychologists and psychotherapists some believe in parental alienation, and perhaps others do not. That's thing, yeah. I mean, there's some who are really pushing parental alienation as something they can treat um, and some would argue or raise concerns that it would be in their interest then to diagnose, which you can't diagnose this, uh, diagnose parental alienation, tell the courts that that's what's going on here. I recommend transfer the custody of the six-year-old to the other parents they don't want to go with and I will you know, and I will treat this with my and so People are increasingly raising concerns about this. And when I say people, these include um, Women's Aid, the Rape Crisis Centre, the United Nations, um, the Grevio, which oversees the implementation of the Istanbul Convention, are saying that the increasing use of parental alienation in the family courts by unregulated experts has to be looked at and has to be um, called into question. And they are saying it louder and louder. So yeah. it's, it's, and it's a phenomenon that's going on um, across the world, really, particularly the Western world, in the courts. And uh, it's yeah. been seen as a way to silence women raising concerns about domestic violence. Is it, is, well, is it always in a domestic violence situation? Is this a particularly gendered issue, Kitty? Well, people, proponents will say it's not a gendered issue, that men, fathers and mothers are equally likely to um, practice parental alienation. Um, and as I, you know, as I said at the beginning, the, you know, children being manipulated or weaponized can happen in context of traumatic family relationship breakdown. The danger is that is when it's being um, raised in context of domestic violence. And there is a real concern. Um, and I've spoken to women who have experienced domestic violence and when they raise this in, when they raise the abuse of themselves in front of the children and sometimes of the children as well in the family courts, that they are then counter-accused of parental alienation mm-hmm. and that they are then being silenced. And this is, um, you know, you, you are, I guarantee you now you're going to be flooded with people saying, I've been alienated from my children and they may well have been and that's appalling. But when it's flagged, in, when it's used in context where the woman has experienced domestic violence, red flags, in my opinion, have to go up. Yeah. And as I understand, the Department of Justice are looking at this. They are. Yeah, they, they've, um, they have just, they're just completing a, well, they've had the public, public consultation and they're drawing together the results of that. And they've also commissioned a piece of independent research on this. And I suspect they've been kind of um, 
they've been lobbied to look at parental alienation by proponents and I think they've also then have concerns raised with them by people like the United Nations and Women's Aid about it. So it is a very controversial issue. People are very concerned and yet, you know, genuinely on both both sides, if you want to put it, about children's rights and children's welfare, children's rights to have a relationship with both parents. What is that always in the best interest of the child to have a relationship with both parents? So there's and I suppose what it really points to is that the vo- how important the voice of the child is and how, they, although we have, um, you know, we voted for the voice of the child in the children's rights referendum to be heard in all cases concerning them before the courts, that's still not happening um, to the degree it should be. Um, and it's still, um, you know, that we don't have the experts who can produce voice of the child reports and also recognise the dynamics of post-separation abuse in domestic violent contexts. It's a complex area mm-hmm. and children are not being served. I think that's what you really get from this when you look at it. Kitty, thanks a million for speaking with us today. Sure. That was uh, Kitty Holland there, Social Affairs Correspondent with the Irish Times. Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2pm. On News Talk.